Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. The rich young ruler walked away with a dark face and sadness in his heart. The conversation with Jesus had taken an unexpected, miserable turn. It didn't end well. And so he took a pass on becoming a Jesus follower. But rather than focus on how the discussion ended, let's look at how it began. Good teacher. The rich young ruler says to Jesus, as he runs off and kneels before him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? There is no better way of addressing Jesus. And there's no better question to ask him Good teacher, surely Jesus is good. He is goodness incarnate, God in the flesh. He is a good teacher. And surely, too, eternal life should be first and foremost on our minds. As Jesus himself said back in chapter 8, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? There's no better address and there's no better question. What better way to approach Jesus than to ask with a rich young ruler, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But we know there's a problem with the rich young ruler. And you and I want to find out what it is. So this passage may help us inherit eternal life. How does Jesus respond to this young man kneeling in front of him? Why do you call me good? He asks. No one is good except God alone. Now this is a puzzling response for two reasons. First, is Jesus denying that he himself is good? Is he pointing away from himself to God and reserving goodness for God alone? Second, is it, is it actually true that no one is good except God alone? 
Isn't scripture full of references both to good and to evil people, both to righteous and to unrighteous people? Jesus' comment is a puzzling one. Let's bracket for a moment both the title, Good Teacher, and Jesus' puzzling response to it. Let's first turn to the rich young ruler's actual question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do? This question is about doing things. Now, doing some things is evil. Murdering, committing adultery, stealing, bearing false witness, defrauding. Doing other things is good. Honoring your father and mother. And presumably also, it is good not to do those evil things that Jesus just mentioned. What must I do, asks the rich young ruler. Some things mark us out as good. Other things we do mark us out as evil. Amos, the shepherd prophet of Tekoa, attacks the selfishness of the Israelites. O you who turn justice to wormwood and cast down righteousness to the earth, see good, not evil, that you may live Hate evil and love good and establish justice in the gate. What must I do? Few responses are as direct and unambiguous as that of the 8th century prophet Amos. Stop doing evil. Start doing good. The rich young ruler should be doing good. It's by doing good that he will inherit eternal life, as Amos already knew. I want us to note, Jesus does not disagree in any way with the young man kneeling before him. He is exactly right. The commandments are clear. That's why when the rich young ruler says, I've done all that, Jesus looks at him and loves him. Jesus loves it when we do good rather than evil. Jesus longs for goodness rather than evil. The reason? He himself is good. Jesus is goodness itself. Goodness incarnate. Jesus wants the rich young ruler, wants you and me to share in his goodness. He wants us to share in his own divine life. He wants us to be divinized. 
But do we know, you ask, do we know what God's very own goodness looks like? Well, fair enough. God is beyond our comprehension. There is lots about God's goodness we do not know. But we know one thing about God's goodness. It is very good. Here's how St. Paul describes it in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. This is goodness. He was rich. He became poor. That we might get rich. How was he rich? He was the Son of God himself, equal in glory to the Father. How did he become poor? He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, humbling himself to the point of dying on a cross. Do you want to know what goodness is? Look at the incarnation. It is a donation. It is a gift of unparalleled generosity. The Son of God sacrificing his own eternal wealth to adopt our poverty. God's goodness is a goodness that gives everything. Jesus loves us like he loved the rich young ruler. He wants us to share in his divine goodness. It's a costly sharing because his goodness is a costly goodness. It costs him everything. It will cost us everything too. That is the point Jesus drives home to us next. The rich young ruler isn't wrong when he lists the commandments. They specify what goodness looks like on the ground. But Jesus probes deeper. He wants us to give up everything. He wants us who are rich to become poor. You lack one thing, he says. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Come, follow me. Do you see how Jesus wants our lives to be patterned on his, our goodness on his goodness? Give everything you have to the poor. That is an act of great generosity, all right. But it's one that makes us utterly poor. By giving everything to the poor, we become poor ourselves. 
Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. Jesus' goodness sets the pattern for our goodness. We share in Jesus' goodness when we share in his generous self-giving. St. Paul's comment in 2 Corinthians 8, 9 is a one-line gospel. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And we've looked at the first part of that one line. He who was rich became poor. We have not yet looked at the second part so the Jew, by his poverty, might become rich. Why is it good for God to become man? What makes it a generous act? Well, it's the second part of that one-line gospel. So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The Son of God becomes the Son of Man so that sons of men might become sons of God. God becomes man so that man might become God. The rich becomes poor so that the poor might become rich. God coming down from heaven to earth is good. Why? Because it takes us up from earth to heaven. Isn't that what Jesus says to the rich young ruler? Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus makes himself the pattern for our actions, doesn't he? You're a rich young man. Give all that you have to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven. It's a move from riches to poverty back to riches. Living a self-giving, sacrificial life is worth it. We will inherit eternal life, the very life of God. We will receive treasure in heaven, the riches that from all eternity belonged to the Son of God. True, it's difficult. The rich young ruler walks away dejected. The disciples are amazed, exceedingly astonished, and Jesus himself admits it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So we might think it's impossible altogether. And the first words that Jesus says to the rich young ruler seem to say exactly that. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. If only God is good, 
then it's no sense for me to try and be good. If only God is good, why even try? Why leave everything behind, empty myself, become utterly poor, and follow Jesus? If only God is good. But Jesus seems to think it is possible. Difficult, yes. Camel through a needle's eye. But possible. How? Let's go back to that title that the rich young ruler bestows on Jesus. Good teacher. We now know that that is true. Jesus is good. Jesus is very good. Goodness itself. He is the eternally rich God who has stepped into our poverty such that it killed him. This teacher is good. Do you see Jesus pointing to himself? No one is good but God alone. The rich young ruler, looking up from the ground to Jesus, sees the one who was rich and for our sake became poor. He sees the good teacher. God has taken on human flesh and stands before him. Unparalleled goodness, he sees. Is goodness possible? Sometimes we doubt it. Evil often seems to outdo goodness. We don't have to look far to note the pervasive character of evil. We only have to look at ourselves. How hard you and I find it to give sacrificially ourselves to others. We're like the rich young ruler. We hear Jesus talk of the camel and the needle and we despair with the disciples. Then who can be saved, we wonder. But goodness is real because God is real. Only goodness is real. Only God is real. Maybe that's why Jesus says no one is good except God alone. He can hardly mean that it's impossible for you and me to be good. With man, it is impossible, but not with God, he says. All things are possible with God. It may be difficult. Eye of a needle, difficult. But possible. Yes, it is, for we see it. We see it in Peter. In the other disciples, we have left everything and followed you, exclaims Peter. Now, maybe he's a bit brash. Right? We may feel a little uneasy. Peter claiming he is done. What the rich young ruler should have, but failed to do. Fair enough. But 
Jesus does not correct Peter. What Peter says is true. Back in chapter 1, he did exactly that. Him and Andrew, fishing by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus came by and said, follow me, become fishers of men. And immediately we read, they left their nets and followed him. Same goes for James and John, sons of Zebedee. Same goes for Levi, the tax collector. They left brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, children and lands, as our text says, for Jesus and for the gospel. We have left everything and followed you. Goodness is possible also for us. Why then does Jesus begin by claiming emphatically, no one is good except God? Perhaps what he means is this. God is the only goodness there is. For, as I said earlier, only God is real. Our goodness is always a sharing in the goodness of God. A sharing in the generosity that takes the form of a cross. Beloved, never let go of the rich young ruler's question. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? It is the best question ever. And the answer is simple. Though you are rich, yet for the sake of others, you must become poor. So that by your poverty, they might become rich.